Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast with Robert Miller. I am Empress, and please listen to my EP streaming now on all digital platforms. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream, and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream Podcast. I am Robert Miller, your host. I'm really pleased to tell you that my band, Project Grand Slam, will be performing for the first time post-COVID on June 27th at 6 p.m. at Music Fest, a terrific festival in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So it's Sunday, June 27th at 6 p.m. If you're in the area, please come out and see us. And if you do, come up to the stage and let me know that you're there. And I've got a special gift for you. And uh, this episode is a special episode to me. I've got one of the greatest songwriters in the country as my guest on this episode. And so I had to think of what was the right song because, you know, I always feature one of my songs on each episode, and I had to think what song did I have that would work with this episode. And then it came to me, I have a song called Take Me, which is on PGS7, an album that we put out in 2019. And I said to myself, okay, we're going to take you all on a musical journey. So Take Me kind of goes with that. And that's the song that you're hearing underneath this introduction, and you'll hear it at the end of the episode as well. In the meantime, Alex Forbes is my guest today. Like I said, she is one of the top songwriters in the U.S., maybe in the whole world. She's had a whole bunch of Billboard singles. She's had over 200 releases. How prolific can you get? Millions of album sales, TV and film projects. She even had a hit with Nile Rodgers of Chic. And uh, like me, she likes to do some message songs, which we're going to talk about in a little while. So she is a true force of nature in the music business. I want to welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, Alex Forbes. Hey, welcome. It's really nice to be here. And uh, I've heard your podcast and it sounds awesome. So I'm, I'm honored to be here. And uh, by the way, the, the Nile Rogers song wasn't a hit yet. <laughs> oh. Well, now it's going to be a hit. <laughs> now it'll be a hit. Now, since you said so, that's, that's a right. good, good it'll karma. It'll get there. <laughs> you know, so I start off these podcasts, I always ask my guests, what was your dream when you were young? You must have had a dream. Was it to be a musician? Was it to be a songwriter? Well, the first time I wrote a song, I, I, I came upon this late in life. I think I wrote my first song if you don't count me and my best friend making up a song when we were about eight, I think uh, my first real song was when I was about 19. And the minute I wrote that song, I was like, okay, that's it. This is what I'm here for. And uh, it just, the combination of music, which we were all extremely passionate about growing up. If, if you are in this generation, music was our, our life force. And um, also I was a writer. I wrote a lot of stories and, and I loved reading and writing uh, little stories. And so when it, poetry, whatever, when, when the two things came together, it was, it was like lightning striking. And I just, I knew that was why I was here. And, and I never looked back and I never questioned it. And 
I just was willing to do whatever it took. That's cool. So who were the musicians or the bands or the artists that you loved when you were growing up? Oh, well, <laughs> let's start with the Beatles. Okay. Uh, Beatles. Did it start with Ed Sullivan? Yes, it did. It started with Ed Sullivan. And also, I do remember one of my first conversations about music was, what is satisfaction? And one of my parents said, it's happiness. And I said, why can't he get any happiness? <laughs> <laughs> it was completely baffling to me as a child, you know, like five or six years old, that someone couldn't get any happiness. I was like, why can't he get any satisfaction? So I do remember having that conversation. And I remember that my, my brothers and I wanted to be the Beatles. And, uh, and we not only wanted to meet them, we wanted to be them. And uh, that was that. I mean, how many musicians really got their inspiration from that time when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. I've spoken to a number of musicians on this podcast. Everybody's in the same position. That was it. That was the defining moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely, it was earth shattering that, that moment and that sound and that excitement. And it just, how could anybody want to do anything else? I mean, really, how could you sell real estate after that? <laughs> 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 Those people mystify me. I'm glad they're there so that I can buy real estate if I have to. But um, but in terms of of uh, of joy and exuberance and creativity, it was it was it was peak moment. You know, I tell my my daughters and sons-in-law all the time that it's unfortunate they didn't live through that era because it's so hard to describe what that era was like but between the fashion the music everything it was just a remarkable era right it's like remember that scene in um in the wizard of oz where where she comes out of the uh, house after it lands after the tornado and the touches down and they open the door and it's in color that's what it was like <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> like before everything was in black and white and now everything is in color and that's how, that's the sensation of of the wonder of it a hundred percent. I tell people that are of later generations, at least go back and watch A Hard Day's Night, because that kind of captured that era better than any other film that I can think of anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the humor combined with the music, the, the cheekiness. And and uh, I try at least to, to keep a sense of humor. I mean, life can be very difficult, obviously. And if we can bring some some light in the darkness, if we can give people that opportunity to express and feel their emotions that's to me that's what songwriting is 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 for and that's what music is for is to express what normal people <laughs> civilians <laughs> might not feel able to express but the music gives us permission to express you know the range of emotions that we're experiencing and the the thoughts and the ideas and all that all right so at 19 or so you wrote your first real song yes and then what happened after that? How did you get into this business on a full-time kind of basis? Well, it took me about seven years. You know, they say 10,000 hours. I think I put in my 10,000 hours. I, I had been playing guitar and I started studying seriously. I really, I read the books. I went to the um, gigs. I, I, I started writing for some bands when I was, you know, maybe by the time I was 20, I, some bands were performing songs I had written. Then I, I decided, well, to be in the music business, you either have to be in New York, Nashville, or L.A. And, and I visited L.A. and I was like, not for me. And <laughs> I was from New York, the area, so I moved to New York. And, and I felt at that time Nashville was much more strictly country, so I wasn't a country 
aficionado. So, so New York was it for me. And I, I was at that time I was paying 200 bucks a month in rent. How's that <laughs> for awesome. That's, and, uh, I didn't those have days to, are long gone. Those days are gone. Right. So I didn't have to make that much in order to, uh, to stay here. And, um, I, uh, I just really applied myself. I, I was working as a graphic artist and, and, uh, I was writing and going to these workshops and presenting my songs and playing at the bitter end and, and, uh, the back porch and these, these joints in Greenwich village. And, you know, I, let's say I just, I, I wasn't very good, but I was really enthusiastic and, <laughs> but I had the, uh, the will to get better. And I think that's really half of it is, is that commitment and that level of, of, of involvement. And, um, I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, and then, one day I was in a workshop and we had a, uh, it was a really great assignment was we're going to all play at the bitter end. And I want you to play your best song. That's what the, uh, the um, leader of the, of the songwriting workshop said, we're, we've got a gig at the bitter end. And it was like, woo. And um, so we each had to crank out a, a song that we were going to use with a full band. And so I wrote a few songs and um, one of the ones I wrote, I couldn't sleep that night. I, I had a hook in my my head. I ran it by a friend of mine. I said, what do you think? And she was enthusiastic as well. And, and that night, I, I my heart was all a flutter. And, and the next day I woke up and it was still ringing through me. And I felt like that song was different. It was the first, it was very influenced by, I'd say, uh, listening a thousand times to um, Chaka Khan do Ain't Nobody and Madonna do Holiday and these kind of club songs that were just starting up right about then in the dance clubs. And I was going to the dance clubs, so so uh, it wasn't outside my realm. And and I brought that song into the class and everybody said, that one is a hit. Now, of course, up to that point, everybody had been shredding my songs like, eh, I don't think <laughs> you know how they do. And um, I deserved it. I mean, they weren't that great, but this one song was better than the others. And I demoed it up. And I wasn't happy with the first demo and the second demo. I mean, I demoed it myself at home, just on my cassette player. And then I got a demo of it. And the, and the third demo was the charm. And I started bringing it around. The second person I brought it to cut it. And, and it was a it was a dance hit. It was a club hit, a song called Two Turned On. And it was with a girl named Alicia. She had only really had one song on the radio before that, but I had heard it on the radio. And uh, that set me off on this direction, which I had up to that point been writing folk songs and, <laughs> <laughs> and rock songs. And so now I, I, it turned me into this different direction. So did you ever consider becoming a performer or was it always writing that was your interest? <laughs> I perform for fun. I have never made 10 cents at it. I, I, I you know, I, I like to say that my voice is an acquired taste that very few people have acquired. But um, oh, I disagree. And we're going to hear oh, a lot of awful. your singing later. Oh, um, that's sweet. No, I, I just I've never made money as a vocalist. I have uh, wait, making guitar. money and loving to do something and doing right. it has nothing to do with one another. You know, that. right? no, no. But if you want to live. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's why they that's why God invented second jobs. Okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No. So my my day job is writing songs and I also uh, coach songwriters, uh, but my my day job is writing songs for other people who who are really amazing singers and performers. You know, that's a difference between the two of us. I write only for myself and my band. I have never written for a third party and you have written I don't know predominantly but certainly a lot for third parties. Yeah. And uh, I'm wondering 
what the process is in terms of it's the difference. I mean, do you have to kind of put yourself into the mindset of the party that you're writing for? You have to think about what kind of music they like, or do you just put forward your best work and, and hope that it gets tailored to their liking? All of the above. I mean, I, I really take an all of the above approach to it because sometimes you're writing with the artist. Sometimes you're writing with a producer. Sometimes you're writing with a couple collaborators hoping to get something somewhere. And so it's, it's almost like whatever, whatever present, like, um, <laughs> I think it was Sammy Khan. It was a great line that he said, somebody said, which comes first, the music or the lyrics. And he said, the phone call. <laughs> Isn't that great. And it's so true it. because it's almost like you get an assignment and then you, you pour yourself into it and you, and the ideal situation is where you're actually able to feel something, um, authentic and put and put yourself into that uh frame it's like there's a like you don't want to be writing random anything you actually have to have to have something that you feel strongly about otherwise it's all fake and i have had several fake songs out there um not mentioning any names but um <laughs> one of them did rather well <laughs> so it was a fake hit is what you're saying <laughs> no it's just like fake it was fake emotion and fake fake fakeness and the problem with fakeness is that it it has no uh, the lifespan is very short of something fake when you, when you did the the dance music that mm -hmm. you mentioned and then you did that dance song i think for for Nile Rodgers yeah was that, that was something you were into at the time yeah 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 okay. yeah because well, if I had to write dance, years, yeah. if I had to write a dance song, I wouldn't even know where to start. It's just right. not within my vocabulary. Start with a beat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would. I would. Well, hope did you so. ever go out to the clubs? Did you ever go out to the clubs and go dancing? No, that was that was way after my time. <laughs> I mean, bar mitzvahs and weddings, yes, but not, not <laughs> the clubs. The bar mitzvah. So yeah, no, I was I was actively clubbing at a certain point, but at this point, still, I like to dance around the room. I mean, I I maybe shut the curtains so nobody could see me dancing around the room, but but I do dance around the room. I like it. Okay. I mean, you know, it's just a matter, uh, again, I noticed that you do um, a lot of collaboration songs. Yes. yes. The list of songs that you sent me, that, you know, almost all of them you were writing with other people. Now, tell me how that comes about. Do you get approached? Did you approach them? How does that work? This is a whole world, the world of music, as I'm sure many other worlds are, is 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 relationships and friendships, especially. And so, friends lead to friends and so if if there's someone out there and they say hey can you do the x on this y i'll i'll give it a shot you know if if it's something that appeals to me and i think that i can bring something to the table so everything is different because i mean i don't know i must know 500 people in the music business after 30 40 years here so right and it's a small world and everybody knows everybody so let's say one day somebody calls up and says, hey, my friend so-and-so needs help with her songs and she's got a really great fill in the blank. Like she's got an opportunity to do X and, but she doesn't have the right song. And I mean, that might, if there's, if there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel and it seems like this project might get off the ground, then I'll give it my best shot. And um, for example, I'm working with a young man who I just I heard one of his songs. I loved it. It was doing really well on YouTube. I I, I contacted him. On, we had met before. We were Facebook friends. We hadn't seen each other in 
I don't know, 15, 20 years. And I said, hey, congratulations on your song. Would you want to do something together? And now at this point, we've written like five songs together. So it came out of me sincerely liking what he had done and being impressed with his trajectory and, and doing well and saying, hey, want to get together? And, and we just, it was, it was like a magic thing happened. That's and it was great. So much fun. Is there any genre that you wouldn't touch? It's just not for you? Um, I mean, I would say I, I, I can't write authentic country uh, music because I didn't grow up on it. It's not in my bones. I, I, same with like, I, I probably couldn't write an authentic rap song because I didn't grow up in that, you know, genre either. I, I, I'm more by, I'd say, pop, rock, folk, um, dance. Uh, jazz, same with jazz. I mean, uh, I um, I can sort of fake it. I've I've attempted some jazz songs. I can play a major seventh you know, on the guitar, but but I don't I don't descend from that. Um, what what would you call it? A uh, lineage <laughs> as much that tree, right? Right. Or classical. I don't think I could write a classical piece. But yeah, barring that, I think I'm. Oh, reasonably well-rounded. Have you done like film scores and things like that? Or are they individual scores. songs? Songs. I've had songs in films, but I've had, um, you know, songs that were placed in films. Right. Uh, and, but not in terms of a score. I don't think, I don't think that way. I think that people who um, are much better composers, like straight composers are, are better off doing that than me. <laughs> well, it's a much different kind of writing as well. Because Yes. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the the thing that I was excited about doing with you. I call it a song fest. I didn't know what else to call it. But I, I said to Alex, um, I, I listened to so much of her material, and she likes to write songs that I call them message songs. You're into animal rights for one thing, and um, I also like to write message songs, social consciousness kind of songs, political songs. I think we're all within the same kind of basic realm. So I said to Alex, I said, why don't we take like three songs each? Okay. And um, we'll go back and forth. We'll, we're going to be playing them as we speak. So you're going to hear the songs underneath us. And then we'll have a little pause and you'll hear more of the song. And we'll talk about it. And, you know, I'll ask her questions about her song. And she'll ask me some questions, hopefully, about my songs. And we'll just kind of have like a little songwriter song fest. How does that sound? Excellent. Let's do it. Not too many podcasts do stuff like this. Okay. So the first song that you have selected, I love this song. I mean, absolutely love it. It's called Where Will the Giants Roam? Tell us about that song. Okay, well, that's that's actually a really interesting story because I was uh, heard a songwriter's. It was almost like a baby song. It was the first iteration of a song, and um, his name is Bill Katz. And I was leading a songwriting workshop, and he brought in this song, and I said, "Wow, that's that's an incredible subject. There's some awesome lines. I circled the lines, you know, lyrical lines that I loved about this song, but the music wasn't there yet." and the lyric needed work and it didn't have a title. It didn't really have a chorus. It was more of a concept. It really more was a poem and, 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 and he had just started music. And I said, um, basically I said, this is what it needs. I wrote the notes on the song. So about a couple of weeks later, he calls me up. He says, hey, this is Bill. I wrote the song about the elephants. The first line of his song was, there's an elephant loose on Fifth Avenue tonight. 
And I was like, wow, that is... That's a very cool image. Oh, huh? it, was an, it was an amazing line, and it had come out of a true experience that he had had as an art dealer selling a, a work of art to someone on Fifth Avenue. And when he walked in, there were two elephant tusks on the mantle. And that means the elephant obviously had expired. And those are extremely illegal, for one thing, but also the cruelty that that is behind that was appalling and he and he was an animal rights person and he was really upset and and um, on the way home he started this poem so I heard this and I and he calls me up and he says would you want to finish the song with me and I said no 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 <laughs> I'd rather hands I don't want to hand someone the fish I'd rather you do it and so he uh, he um, called me back a, a little while later and he said I found a contest that's the prize it's a an, to write an anti-poaching song about the elephants and rhinos and the prize is a $30,000 value trip to Africa safari photo safari and I was like okay I'll go write it <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did and at one point you, you know how we're always like taping what we write right we're taping as we go along and as I was taking the lyrics and fleshing out the lyrics and coming up with a title I, I came upon this title and I literally started crying I mean, for years I was able to listen to this moment where I choked up because I, I came upon the, the hook of the song and that was Where Will the Giants Roam? And I just started crying and you can hear it on the tape that I just like, <laughs> and, and so um, when I played him the song, he was he freaked out and we submitted it to the contest and it won. And I got That's, to go to Africa for two weeks. And isn't that awesome? See the actual animals. <laughs> You know, one of the things I notice about the song, first of all, it's got a message, obviously, and you've just spoken about it. But I think for message songs to really work, they have to be great as songs, even almost regardless of the message. And this is a great song, and you sing it so wonderfully. Oh, thank you. And, you know, I told you one of your other songs reminded me of Sheryl Crow. Well, this one also has reminders to me of Sheryl Crow. And I view that as a big compliment because I think she's got a wonderful voice. I love Sheryl Crow. I just saw I just saw her actually in the um, Crossroads um, documentary about Eric Clapton's uh, concert to right. raise money. Yeah, and uh, you know she's just awesome. She's but terrific. Okay, so the first song that I'm going to put forward is a song that I wrote a couple of years ago called Redemption Road, and it's kind of a shuffle type of song. I did it for uh, the album PGS7 that we released in 2019. The backstory on this song is that I wrote it in the immediate aftermath of the Kavanaugh confirmation hearing in Congress. And if you remember back to that, there was one senator in particular, Susan Collins from Maine, that was kind of the make or break for the nomination. And nobody knew which way she was going to go. And, of course, Christine Blasey Ford came forward, and she had a story, and did people believe her? Did they not believe her? Kavanaugh had a completely different story. And out of that, I wrote this song because I said to myself, and it wasn't intended to be a comment on that incident because I try not to be that directly involved in politics, but it, it was the idea that somebody made a decision, and maybe they regret the decision that they made. 
and therefore they needed a form of redemption. So that's the backstory on that song. Yes, I watched the video. That was amazing. <laughs> it, it was a fun thing to record, and uh, the album did very, very well for us. But you know, I like to write songs that 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 kind of move me, and uh, this was a song that moved me. It was a subject that I that I like to write about. Well, I think it's it's a great song, and I really enjoyed listening to it. A and B, it was a it was a really good introduction to your style as well, your musical style. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, let's go to your second song, which is called All Rise. And this one, you can describe it, of course, but uh, I, I like the fact that it was aimed at the dreamers. And I don't know whether you picked that out because of the Follow Your Dream podcast that you're on, but there was a, a linkage between your dreamers and my dreamers. <laughs> well, really, actually, there were three writers on that, myself and Noel Cohen and Andres Quintero. And, and, and Andres is a dreamer. I mean, he's an immigrant uh, from Venezuela and um, grew up in... I think from the time he was just maybe 13, 14 years old, he moved to Colorado, um, Aurora. And he was a dreamer. And at the time when we were writing that whole issue of, of whether the dreamers could, could stay or, or had to leave the country, the only country they were really familiar with, it was very pressing and still is to this day. I mean, it's, you know, we're talking about um, many, 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 many people who were brought here as children and wouldn't know their own country if they if they woke up there it's it's they are americans and and so for me that it's a it is a bit more of a message song that's very direct with its message but uh sometimes i go there i can't help it no i understand completely So many of the people that I play with in my band have come from other countries, and Latin American countries in particular. 
and they've all got a story. They came to the United States, of course, to make their mark here. Some of them have been here almost their entire life, and some of them have had trouble going back and forth because the immigration policies are very, very difficult. So they may not be technical dreamers, but they're pretty close to the same concept. Yes. Okay, so the second song that I'm going to put forward in this little song fest of ours is a song that I wrote for our album East Side Sessions, which very, very fortunately was released about a week or so before the world closed down in early 2020. It's just dumb luck that we put it out when we did. And the song is called I'm Falling Off of the World. It's a song that I wrote because I, I just felt that there were so many problems that we face, not just in this country, but in society, in the world in particular. And sometimes it just feels overwhelming. It feels like you're falling off of the world. And uh, that was the message and the, and the uh, backstory behind that song. timing too because i think a lot of people feel that way right now that everything we were familiar with is has been yanked out from under us and so it's it's a perfect timing for that for that message really and and you're right it, it, it i didn't write it with covid and the pandemic in mind but that was just another pile on to all the issues that we have to deal with in this world and it just seems to get worse and worse but you know the, the message of the song is in the f chorus, which says, we're going to make it somehow. Yes. And I, I wanted it to be an upbeat message here. I didn't want people to just kind of wallow in the fact that we've got all these issues in the world. At the end of the day, life will continue and hopefully we'll all be smiling. No, I'm an optimist. I'm an eternal optimist. <laughs> you have to be. <laughs> we, have a lot to, we have a lot on our plate right here. Okay, so your third song that you're hearing now underneath is called Soul of America. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Okay, now speaking of perpetual optimism, we wrote this song right after the November election. And um, I'll admit it, I'm a bleeding heart liberal. And I was very happy to see Joe Biden win and, and speak of unity, although unity is harder than ever to achieve. but. What we wrote the song about, my collaborator is John Belzer. He and I wrote this song as a as a healing and as a 
trying to bring the disparate parts of our country back together in, in unity because so much has been split apart. And I really do believe in my heart of hearts that we are more alike, we are more one than separate. And that's the uh, message of the song. And again, it probably wears its heart on its sleeve a little, a little bit much, is that, is that we can come together as one and, and that we are the United States. And if we can reunite, it's going to be better than if we split into two halves and, and, and have a, a civil war with each other, which sometimes feels like what's going on. And it's frightening. And, and this whole thing about, uh, you know, the fraudulent election, which never occurred, shut down the democracy and the democracy is what makes us strong it makes us a beacon of of light as opposed to a uh, a a war and and i really it feels like we're being torn asunder from within and and that's never happened in my lifetime and and i really i really think it's 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 coming from fear as opposed to love and we wanted the song to be coming from love not fear it's interesting you mentioned that I recorded two albums during the pandemic, which wow. was a completely different experience for me because it was all recorded remotely. And uh, normally what we do is I write things, we go into rehearsal studio, we rehearse like crazy, then we go into the uh, recording studio, and typically within two or three takes we have each song. And uh, it's kind of like the old way of recording. But this time around we couldn't rehearse, we couldn't go into a recording studio, we were all separate. and. Um, I started to write songs. This was in the middle of last summer, like around June, July of last summer. And I kept feeling that there were two things that were coming forward in my mind, two emotions. Number one, the fear that we all had about the pandemic at that time, because nobody knew where it was going. There were no such things as vaccines at that time. If you got it, you didn't know whether you, it was going to be like a flu or whether it was going to kill you. So that was the first emotion. And the second emotion was, I felt that if there was anything that was going to get us through the pandemic, it was love as the strongest emotion that we have as human beings. So that's why I named the album, the first album, Summer of Love 2020. Ah. And, I, you know, it's kind of like a, 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 a split vote on it because some people looked at that title and said, oh, I get it, I get it. And there were others that said, what are you talking about? The summer of love was 1967. This wasn't a summer of love. I said, well, you can't please everybody, but <laughs> for me, it was a summer of love. <laughs> anyway, so going back to Soul of America, something interesting, you have a, a New York City policeman that's singing this song? Yes. Uh, well, it was, um, he's just a fantastic singer. John met him and thought he would be great on this song. And his wife, Keva, his name is Charles Mack, and his wife, Keva. Uh, John and I had originally sung it as a duet. And, and when Charles heard it, he really resonated with the, with the message. And also, uh, his wife is just a fabulous singer, and she sang my parts way better than I could. And she added a lot to it. She also brought a, a whole other dimension to the backups. And uh, so we were really thrilled to have them. And then Charles uh, made a video and uh, we, we hope to launch it soon. The song, it's never, nobody, nobody's heard it. So it's, it's really new and, and we're excited about it. Now they'll hear it. He's got a great voice. I think it's a terrific song. Thank you. And John Belzer, is he the same John Belzer as Songs of Love? 
Yes, 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 okay. yes. I've been working with Songs of Love since 1998, so a long time. I, I am familiar with them, and I believe I've given some money. All right, so you should write songs fun. for them. Actually, <laughs> they, they're always they, we write songs, uh, personalized songs for kids who are are, are uh, having serious health issues, and it's very healing for the kids and the families. I think it's a terrific organization. Okay, so my last song is a song that I wrote called "Hey Jake." I wrote Hey Jake because I have a grandson named Jake, and he was about two or three at the time that I wrote the song. And uh, it's basically an, an, a 1950s style anti-bullying song. That was the message of the song. And uh, it's because, you know, as, as, as young boys are growing up these days, uh, you want to make sure, not, I guess girls as well, but mainly young boys, you want to make sure that they've got the right values. And I said, I wanted to make sure that he understood that um, bullying was not the way to go, that you don't have to be a tough guy in order to be respected. And so that was the, the theme and the message of the song. And uh, I set it to kind of a 1950s-ish type of uh, feel, and my sax player kind of captured that feel perfectly. So you're hearing it now as, as, we're, as we're speaking, but uh, that's the backstory on that one. Super catchy, really great. I, uh, how old is he now? Uh, he's three going on 33. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you started him young. <laughs> yes. Okay, so this has been fun doing this whole Songfest thing with you. Tell me what's uh, next in your, in your career and your life here. Well, mostly I am working with one, two, three, four, about four or five different uh projects and and i hate the word projects but really they're also different one is with shannon uh who you might have met empress and uh it's it's we write songs together and she's putting them out um another one is an artist i work with in europe named melissa sanley who is just a blast to work with and she comes here and i go there except then then COVID happened so we're doing it remotely now Another one is a young man named uh, Jan Close. That's J-A-N-N, -N, Jan Close. He's, I think he's really super talented and he's starting to get a lot of traction. And um, another one is a, a, a project that I am working on, which is a musical. And, and it's a longer form. It's, it's taken about three years to get this far and we're about to do a, the first reading. So for me, that's, that's a real trip to do a... Um, a longer piece like that that's uh that you know it's this the the uh, book is whatever 130 pages and so it's going to have to have about 15 songs we were about eight songs in and that's taken years so <laughs> and COVID, COVID interrupted that too so a lot of things got derailed obviously for everybody and uh but we're, we're i think we're there's a little light at the end of the tunnel here and um i think that each of these projects will will benefit from 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 the world coming back. Let's keep our fingers crossed that the world comes back and that it happens soon. Yes, and especially I, you know, I, I really, I really feel for the people in in India and Brazil where it's rampant mm -hmm. the way it was in New York at one point. Only worse. It's it's awful, and our heart goes out. I agree. 
Okay, we have been talking here to Alex Forbes, who is a world-class songwriter. I want to thank you, Alex, for being on the podcast. This was so much fun. I love doing this whole song fest thing with you. And all the songs, again, are uh, were played underneath and uh, while we were talking here. So I, I hope everybody has enjoyed that. Remember to get your complimentary dream roadmap, where I lay out my five steps to pursue and succeed at your dream just by going to followyourdreampodcast.com slash dream roadmap. And you're going to hear again uh, the song Take Me, which is the featured song from this episode that I mentioned at the beginning. And I want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com. Project